Oh, without a question. I mean, I use everything that I developed over my corporate career on a day-to-day basis, right? Whether it's data analytics that I got from Six Sigma experience, I was a contractor, right? So I understood contracts. I understand how to write them and adjust them. And I'm not an attorney, but there's a lot of business decisions within the legal ramifications. And so how do you make the right business decisions? So getting that type of experience was extremely helpful. And then getting comfortable with the bigger numbers, right? A lot of people. A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book. But there are some instances in which we do have dead time, and these are perfect times to learn. So we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio, or maybe at the gym. Well, now you can. Dwelling has partnered with Amazon's Audible to give you, the Dwell listeners, a free book. Yes, a free book. So all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book this will also be in the show notes you can click on the link and if you don't have a book in mind and you say hola i don't actually know where to start with well awesome because i can tell you what to start with today it's a quintessential classic it's called rich dad poor dad so download rich dad poor dad and that would basically just take your mind on a different spin of course i'm always open to hear um, from our dwell listeners so email me at hola at dwelling.com and then feel free to also give us a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got the amazing Jerome Myers with us today. Hey, Jerome, how are you doing? Great, Ola. I'm so excited to be with you, man. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Um, I was on your podcast a few, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or so ago. Um, so definitely glad to have you on the show. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, um, I mean, I'm sure you can do a way better job than I can um, telling our listeners a little bit more about who you are and kind of what you've been doing and what you've been up to lately, actually. Yeah, man. I think I characterize myself as a co- as not a college dropout, but a corporate America dropout most recently. So back in 2016, I left corporate America after building a $20 million business for a construction company. And, you know, after I did that, and I didn't do it by myself, right? But our team, you know, we, we got the great opportunity to lay people off two years in a row. And it's just like, this doesn't make sense. People sacrificed it families and relationships and all kinds of stuff in order for us to achieve this really crazy goal. Why are we, for the sake of more profit, laying folks off? So I left, thought I was going to go buy an apartment building and got turned away from banks like 10 times. Like you don't have the experience. I'm like, what do you mean? I got an MBA. I've got a PE, just built a really large business. Like you don't have experience with this type of asset. And so I went and started fixing and flipping houses and I was fortunate enough to have somebody show up at one of my projects and ask, hey, what's going on? And through that conversation, we got into a joint venture apartment deal. And that gave me the experience I needed to go into the apartment or multifamily investment space. And then from there, I took my talents down south and now buy in Greensboro, North Carolina, and been doing it full time ever since, you know, 2016, 2017. So that's wow. my game, yeah, a lot, man. My notepad is um, jam-packed over here already. You know, take it all the way back. So, 
obviously most of our listeners are in corporate America, right? Um, you know, they've got a nine to five, um, you know, they're maybe interested in getting involved in real estate, either on the passive side or maybe eventually on the, on the active side. So as you said, you consider yourself a corporate America dropout. Um, that term might sound very appealing to some of our listeners. What are your thoughts on quitting nine to five jumping into real estate um you know there's there's a you know two kind of schools of thought is bundle boat jump in or just kind of hold on to your job um, before you jump you know full in what are your thoughts yeah i think it's not for the faint at heart right i mean being an entrepreneur isn't easy regardless of what you see on instagram or any of the other social media platforms you know your income probably isn't regular at the start you don't know when, what deal is going to close or when it's going to close or when the next one's going to show up. And so you've got to really work through those intricacies. I think a steady paycheck is addictive. You know, at the end of the month, whatever's coming, 10, 2, whatever you make. And so you can plan your life around that versus maybe making 40000 in one month and not making anything for three and then making a hundred and moving back and forth. And so what I would encourage people to do is, figure out what it actually costs to live, right? When I left corporate America, I was able, I had enough to cover my expenses for a year. So I had a, you know, a year to actually focus on the business and not worry about, hey, how am I going to live or how am I going to eat or how am I going to pay for housing? The next thing was, all right, you know, how do you prove that this concept's going to work? You might see some people doing it, but is it going to work for you? And I think people continue to ask themselves that question. Ola, I know you talk a lot about mindset. It is a different mindset when you actually only get to eat what you kill, right? I mean, you got to go out there, you got to hunt, you got to bring it back home, you got to clean it. And a lot of people aren't really set up for that piece. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They want to just sit at the table and eat. And so, you know, if that's the case, then maybe you don't want the sales, you don't want the actual entrepreneurial experience. Maybe you're number two or number three. And I think Gary Vee talks about it a lot. A lot of people are going to be much more successful as a two, three, or four in a company than being a number one. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to decide what really fits in your life. There, there's a ton of stress that comes with being on your own, without a question. Yeah, um, that's such, I just really love the way you put that. So $20 million construction company seems like a big number. You know, when I talk to, you know, my friends and family uh, about, you know, what I'm doing in apartment um, syndication slash investing, and I throw out these numbers and they're like, oh, that's such a, a big number. I was like, well, it is, but when you break it down, an elephant looks big, uh, but if you nibble on me enough, um, you can you can break it down. So it's kind of similar thing. How did that happen? Now, kind of what role did you play in that in that growth, and over what period in terms of years did that happen? I appreciate you digging into this one because I think it's really exciting. So I was employee number two in that division. I was tip of the spear, had P and L responsibilities, I was responsible for overall the execution of the contract from two on January 13th to about 175 on August 15th is what we did. That revenue was created at $0 billed when I showed up at the end of the year, we built about 20 million, went through another year and did it pretty much the same thing. He said we did it with about half the workforce. And so, you know, that was really aggressive. <clears throat> I had a biweekly meeting with my supervisor, quarterly visits, cause they were both out, all of, three of them were out of state. 
And so, you know, it was my opportunity to be an entrepreneur without the pay cut. Right. I think a lot of people have the golden handcuffs and I was one of them. I had a Nissan GTR. I had a huge house, had all the things. Right. But I wasn't actually ownership. And it showed up when I got to the end of the year. We made I think we made six million dollars in profit that year on that 20 million dollars worth of revenue. And my bonus was 30 K. Right. And, you know, it's like I made six million for you. You give me 30 K. Something's really wrong with that. And. But the only way that you actually get wealthy is through being a vice president at a Fortune 500 or 100 company or through ownership of your own thing. I mean, and that was, for me was the dividing line. It's like, I don't, I don't own anything. I get a paycheck. And pay, profit's are always better than paychecks. It's just a matter of can you create the profit enough and frequently and at a large enough amount that you can actually live because, you know, most businesses fail. And so I felt like, hey, if we could do 20 million in a year, it wouldn't take much. I didn't need a whole lot in order to sustain myself and work in my own business, right? If I could build 20 million for somebody else, maybe I can build two for me and keep a little bit more of the pie. Yeah, absolutely. Makes makes a ton of sense. And I think, you know, um, I know for a fact, um, I'm kind of answering this question already for you that, you know, the experience that you did get building that 20 million company directly transfers into buying apartments, right? I mean, you mentioned PNL. When a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, I want to buy apartments, I'm like, do you love looking at, you know, PNLs <laughs> and balance sheets? Because, you know, people think it's Grand Cardone on Instagram. No, it's like boring, looking at numbers, looking at deal after deal after deal after deal. Uh, you know, that's what this is. This is not all like shiny lifestyle. It's actually hard, great work. Um, that many people don't actually realize, um, you know, when they think about going into real estate. So do you think some of those experiences during that business helped you when you made that transition into buying apartments? Oh, without question. I mean, I use everything that I developed over my corporate career on a day-to-day basis, right? Whether it's data analytics that I got from Six Sigma experience. I, I was a contractor, right? So I understood contracts. I understand how to write them and adjust them. And I'm not an attorney, but there's a lot of business decisions within the legal ramifications. And so how do you make the right business decisions? So getting that type of experience was extremely helpful. And then getting comfortable with the bigger numbers, right? A lot of people, if they have a $500,000 home, like that's their biggest purchase. Most people don't actually get to a home that's large in size, but when you want to go buy a $5 million project or, you know, some people are buying $50 million projects, you got to get okay with that and get over the fact that there's a lot of zeros on the paper and really break it down and understand the predictability of it all. So, you know, I, when we think about it and there's a lot of gurus out who um, tell you, Hey, go big or go home, go buy a $10 million property. And I, I don't agree with them. I don't think your first property should be that big. I, I don't think for people who didn't actually build a business or have some entrepreneurial experience, they're ready for that. And so going and doing some intermediate step and what we teach people to do is, hey, half a million to 1.5, go buy one of those, get some hands-on experience and actually get in the game. And then once you get in the game, you got something to point back to. Uh, and I, I think you could get a whole lot more done a whole lot quicker and you have some quick success versus, you know, spending two years getting frustrated, getting disappointed and then potentially giving up, you know that success ratio for the folks who pay twenty five to $50,000 for education is pretty low. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'd, we'd definitely touch on education as well. But one thing I do want to touch on in, in terms of when you were kind of telling us about your story is flipping, right? Um, I have my, my opinions on flipping. Um, so I'm just going to just put it out there on the table. What were your thoughts on flipping? Um, is it any good? Is HDTV on the high? What are your thoughts? No, it's certainly not HGTV. It's a full-time job. It's not actually investing. It's transaction. You're chasing transactions just like you would if you're a wholesaler or if you're a realtor and you need a transaction in order to make money. Uh, the thing that I like about multifamily investing is it combines all of the facets of real estate investing. It's wholesaling because you got to source your deals. It's flipping because you got to renovate the units. Oh, and by the way, while you're renovating units, somebody else is paying your mortgage. And then the last piece, right, is buy and hold, where you actually get some passive income opportunity to increase the net operating income, which makes the property worth more. And in that, you're able to have a pretty big payday when you exit, or you refinance out using the Burr method in order to get your original capital back so that you can go to the next deal. And so, you know, for me, I like I like complicated stuff, right? I'm a problem solver at heart and having the multifamily integrate everything was perfect for me. Now, with that said, having all of those individuals experience, I think make me a better investor in multifamily than had I just skipped them. But I don't think you need to do those things in order to be successful in the multifamily space. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now you said you were, you know, you went to the banks, you were turned away, right? Cause they kept saying um, you needed experience. And then you kind of, like you said, went into flipping for a little bit. Then you met this partner, you JV'd with them, got your first apartment deal done. So I think for folks that might be listening to this, that may be thinking of, you know, getting their first deal done, obviously you went through the JV route. And a lot of, you know, kind of similar to what I say, find someone doing it, partner with them, help them with some part of the business, um, and then get your foot in the door and actually experience um, what it's like to run one of these things, right? And see what you like and what you don't like. So for me, my question is, how did that partnership go, right? You know, in retrospect now. And then would you would you do that again in terms of going into partnership with, with someone um, on a multifamily deal? So, you know, our we've got a our educational program called Myers Methods, and that's all we talk about is joint venture partnerships. We like joint ventures more than syndication. We think for the person who wants to be an operator, it is the fastest and most effective way in order to get into the space. And even if you're doing syndication, you're partnering, right? Everybody in the general partnership is in a joint venture. It just sits on a limited partner structure where, you know, they're funding a lot of the down payment. And so the first deal, it was challenging. Um, we I partnered with people that I didn't know very well. Um, it was a five of us we took down a 23 unit we bought that for like 1.27 we had a huge renovation budget we did roofs siding parking lots landscaping took out walls on the first floor added a half bath and washer and dryer granite countertops stainless steel appliances paint like we did everything uh recess lighting like you you name it we touched it and it was a really good project but in that project i learned hey the bank was right had they given me the loan by myself, I'd be bankrupt right now because I underestimated the construction budget, right? We budgeted like $2,500 for the HVAC units and they ended up being 4,000, 
right? And that was, some of them were done, some of them weren't done. We had somebody come in and steal the stuff that was there and it just became really messy, right? 2,500 on a single family home isn't a big deal. But when you multiply that by 23, you end up at almost half a million dollars. It's like, oh, right. And, you know, being liquid after you do your down payment and all that other stuff, it gets pretty tough for somebody at my age and, you know, not coming from any generational wealth. So, you know, we worked through it. Everybody in the end stepped up where they were supposed to step up and why they came to the deal. But, you know, we have friction in the beginning. You know, I was asking for things to be signed, asset management contract, uh, general contractor contract, property management contract, before we actually closed on the deal. People didn't appreciate the fact that I wanted to make sure I had paperwork in place before we proceeded too far. And there were comments like, well, we'll just close without you. You know, your contribution doesn't matter. We have enough that we can cover and close without you. And so you need to get with the program. And you know, what I would tell people is if people don't want to hear your concerns or aren't willing to do something with your concerns, then be careful about partnering because it's only going to get worse once you're in the deal, right? It's just like when people are soliciting you to be an employee in their company. They treat you really well on the front end and then on the back end, you actually see how they feel in their true colors. So would I do it again? Not with the same group. I, I really focus on getting to know people really well inherently, like, and with the predictability of knowing the person, then you can go in and do a deal successfully. You know what to expect from them. And you know where to, you know, push and pull and where to just kind of accept it and move on. And if you can do those things, then I think you end up in a really great spot. So I, but, you know, you don't do this game. It's, you have to have a team. You're not going to be successful at scaling. And, you know, we're going to a thousand doors in Greensboro in particular. And in that, you know, I just want to be the market maker. And so, you know, we got a new construction project going on. It's 120 units. And in that, you know, we've got a handful of people that are partnered on that deal. And we're just going to continue to implement that model. And the goal is, regardless of the size, is have a really tight group of folks that we work with that allow us to have repeatable success. Uh, congratulations on that. Definitely. That's huge. Um, like kind of going from a 23 unit now doing a ground up, you know, that's obviously, you know, kudos to you because I know exactly what it takes um, to, to, to you know, kind of scale that, that, that fast and that, you know, um, higher actually. The other thing I was going to ask is, you know, with that 23 unit, where is that property now? Did you guys um, shift that into property disposition or are you still holding on to it? Yeah, so we bought that with average rents at 695 Today we get 1195 there. We've refinanced it um, into permanent debt, and I think it's a mini perm for like five years. And then we'll probably finance it again now that we'll, when we have a year's worth of seasoning, get take advantage of these super low rates and get some agency debt that's non-recourse. Right now, we still sit in a recourse loan. Interesting. Fascinating. Okay, cool. So I think we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick round. Um, you know, these are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Let's do it. All right. First question. What makes Jerome unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Yeah, I care too much, right? Like, that was the issue in corporate America. One of the questions was asked, like, Jerome, can you make the hard decision? You seem to care too much about people. And I'm okay with that now. It's part of the reason why I'm not in corporate America. That's why that I is, care. 
yeah, that is the unique thing about you, and that's what makes you different. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, second question: What was the last book that you read? I can see you've got a, a little bit of a library behind you. Now, what was the last book that you read, and what was the one thing you picked up from that book? Uh, Sizing people up is the last book I finished, and what I picked up from that is you don't trust your intuition, right? It's not about how you feel or whether or not you like a person. It's whether or not you can predict what they will do. And what, that is what trust is based on. Do I know what the person is going to do before they do it? And if I do, then I can trust them. If I don't, then you know I'm in trouble because it's a wild card and I can't predict it. Hmm, fascinating. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that one. Yeah, I definitely had that to my list. Um, final, final question. You've got the business. You've, you know, I, I see, I see your LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, you're doing a bunch of stuff. Of course, you've got your family. I've seen, I've seen a picture behind you as well. What do you do for fun? Yeah, international travel. I, I like to go to foreign places and go in caves. And you know, probably the wildest one that we've been in is in, in uh, Costa Rica where, you know, as soon as you walk in, there's a tarantula waiting for you. It's crazy. Wow. It's absolutely insane, but. Wow. Yeah. yeah, nice, nice. Definitely share that. I mean, international travel, another cave part, but yeah, definitely share that in comment for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, so I think you briefly mentioned it, Maz Method, you know, so I just talked to you about kind of what you're doing there, and a little bit more about how folks can connect with you. Yeah, so the easiest way for people to connect with me is drummeyers.co. So J-E-R-O-M-E-E-M-Y-E-R-S dot C-O. And there you can find out everything we have going on and you know, register to, to get connected with me. With Myers Methods, it's our multifamily investing platform. What happened is I just started going to some of the guru stuff and I was like, this doesn't make sense. And repeatedly I would hear, hey, I don't have a deal. I'm not making any progress. I'm, people aren't showing up for coaching calls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. And what I really wanted to do was create a platform that was at a fraction of the price that told people how to get into joint ventures with their friends and family so that they could get a deal done, right? Because I don't, it doesn't make sense to me for somebody to spend 30 grand only to go try to take down Moby Dick, which is what I consider a $10 million deal or bigger with a boat and it looked like Captain Ahab. Like go dolphin fishing first. I want you to go dolphin fishing. I want you to get the dolphins in the boat, eat the dolphins, then go back out after you sell some of the extras and then go get another one. And then eventually build up to get in a Moby Dick. But you're going to try to take down Moby Dick, you look like Captain Ahab and it just doesn't make sense. Guys. It's, it's not real. You don't have any credibility. You don't believe in yourself and nobody around you believes in you. So let's do something to build some quick success. And then from there, we'll build up and go get something big. Oh, that is so good. I was just laughing in the background. That is such a great analogy. I love it. I love it. Um, Jerome, thank you so much. Really had a, an amazing time, you know, chatting to you. Um, definitely lent a ton myself. Um, you know, kind of the biggest takeaway for me was kind of like, you know, when you talked about multifamily, having the multifaceted. Um, you know, kind of an element to it um, from a relative perspective. Like, you know, you've got a wholesaling, you've got the construction piece, you've got the kind of bra piece. I mean, that, I've never, never thought of that that combination before. So I really appreciate that length of time as well. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing your platform with me.
You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.